Jen. M. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to February 8th. Sure. I don't know. That's what today is. Why not? <laughs> Leap year, you know? Oh, yes. Yes. I don't know. I've been thinking about leap year in a, is there something special to do on the 29th that you can only do once every four years? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like February is a weird month. It doesn't have like a very distinct vibe, you know? Well, I guess there's Valentine's Day, but. And Galentine's Day. And Galentine's Day. And it is Black History Month. Yes. But those are all. Very different things that don't really unite. And but the I don't really weird. associate them with like February the month, you know? Yeah. They happen in February, but it's not like, I don't think of February and automatically go. Yay Valentine's. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yay hearts. I don't, you don't know. immediately decorate your home with hearts and. Mm. No. Not flowers. a big. I don't know. Valentine's decoration person. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, just a lot of color for me in my <laughs> environment, you know? It's a lot happening with Valentine's Day things. Yeah. Although I do appreciate the candy. Oh, Kate's not here. You have to talk to me about Valentine's candy. I know. What's the, uh, what's, I guess Reese's Hearts is the variation uh, yep. for Valentine's Day. Yes. They're delicious. I'm big fan. They're heavy on the peanut butter, for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I used to love the Valentine's Day party in school because I loved, we would decorate. I think a lot of people did this. You'd decorate shoe boxes mm -hmm. and cut out the little hole in the oh, top. Oh, yes. For the Valentine's. For yeah, the yeah, Valentine's. Yeah. And then on val for the party, everyone mm -hmm. would bring little Valentine's for everyone in the class. And you would go and put it in people's boxes. And then you got to take it home and open up your box. And I mean... It was mainly just candy and stickers, but I feel like there was, was always exciting. some drama around Valentine's Day in like in elementary school, elementary and middle school. Either somebody got like left out of something or you didn't get the Valentine from the person you wanted a Valentine from or like in my middle school slash high school, I think we had a thing where you could buy like roses for people oh. to be delivered on Valentine's Day. And so if your friend or your crush or whoever, like, didn't get you, if you didn't get the rose from them, then it was, like, very dramatic. But, which seems maybe not the best idea for a bunch of, like, <laughs> high schoolers who are still mm -hmm, mm -hmm. developing, learning how to communicate, <laughs> express their feelings, not hurt each other. You know, it just seems like a recipe for disaster a little bit. Oh, we did one of those things. I feel like it was in junior high. I think we did it in high school. But where you filled out a questionnaire and then they matched people. Oh, no. And then you literally got a printout with your top 10, oh, 15, no. 20 matches. That seems like a terrible idea. A terrible idea. An absolute terrible idea. What are you supposed to do with that information? I know, and I remember there were people that I was matched to that I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, not that I had a huge junior high, but it was 
mm-hmm. big enough. And there were people that are like, I didn't know. And I didn't do anything with that information. Mm-hmm. But it seems terrible. Mm-hmm. And thinking back, I don't remember as much drama coming out of it as is playing out in my head right now. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I'm sure I, I feel like someone was always mad at someone around Valentine's Day because of all these little weird little the the card is exchanged oh, and yeah. the the who got flowers and who didn't and and all of this so well and it's funny to think about now our valentine's day dance in junior high was a sadie hawkins dance mm. i don't know if that's still a thing i feel like it would be dumb if it was still a thing but where the girls ask mm-hmm. the guys um so dumb mm-hmm. that that's like a precedence that you're setting mm-hmm. at that age but Yep, that's what I remember about it. Mm. And that there was always... The adults in our schools made some interesting decisions (laughs) around Valentine's Day. Yeah, it was just like something that you did. It was, yeah. You didn't think about it and it wasn't like... It just kind of was the thing you did every year. But just, I don't know. I know. If I were like a teacher now in 2024, I don't think... I would be super on board with some of these things for my my kids. Oh, no. I'd be like Valentine's Day. Or a parent. Terrible. Oh, yeah. Poor parents having to deal with the drama of teenage high school yeah. loves and whatnot. Yeah. Hmm. But well, I and, do miss and, the little Valentines yes. that you would get with the candy. Yes. <laughs> Circling back to the brighter times. Yeah. And we had a small enough elementary school that you just had to bring Valentines for everyone in the class. Mm-hmm. I would be curious. I don't even really look at Valentine stuff when I, I mean, aside from like candy, but I don't really look at like the Valentine's accoutrement when I go in a <laughs> store now. So I don't even know really like what kind of Valentine's cards or. They have the exact same type of things that we had growing up. But they're like themed to like yeah. stuff that's popular now. Yes. Yes. It's like. Which is frozen, like. Which I know Frozen okay. came out like a hundred years ago. But yeah. it's like. uh, Yeah. I guess there's like a whole new batch of like Disney stuff and yeah. kids stuff and. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. I may have to look next time. Yep. How are you going to segue that into cheers? I don't know. And totally <laughs> unrelated. Um, <laughs> totally unrelated things. Uh, cheers. 30th anniversary. Of the finale. finale. Yes. Isn't that crazy? I mean, this is one of the greatest shows of all time. I still think about this at least once a week. And I can't believe we did it. Like, or that we got to do it, I yeah. guess. I, I believe that we could do it, but uh, <laughs> but that we got the opportunity to have this group come and spend as much time with us as they did, which they were here for a while, most of the festival. Oh, yeah. Just wandering around. We're like rock stars, as they should be, which is great. Talk about the how it came together, because it started with us wanting to give James Burroughs the Lifetime Achievement Award, our Mm-hmm. Achievement in Television Excellence Award in 2020, right? Yes, right. Uh, yes, yeah. And we had confirmed him. Yep, we had confirmed him. I don't think we had announced him. I think we were close. And then obviously there was a pandemic. And we decided and we, we didn't want to do it virtually. Yeah, we, we wanted to save it until we could have him come in person. And so we had reached out to him early in... 2022 like late 2022 but early for the festival yeah and he was immediately on board which was 
that alone was wild because mm-hmm. he's one of the most iconic creatives ever in television. Like the, you can hear us gush about James Burroughs <laughs> on the James Burroughs episode, which <laughs> yes. is already out. Um, but, but we will continue. It's been a couple months. We will continue to gush. Yeah. But he, um, but yeah, he said yes. And then we had a harebrained idea as we usually do that we were coming up on the 30th anniversary of the finale and wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if we could get uh, the other two co-creators, uh, Glenn and Les Charles, and some of the cast to come celebrate Cheers. And he was on board, and we very quickly got in touch with um, Glenn and Les, and they were on board. And then slowly it started coming together, cast member by cast member, and we ended up also getting Ted Danson George Went and John Ratzenberger. My favorite part, which happens occasionally, is that Ted Danson emailed you personally saying that he was coming. He did. <laughs> he did. Um, that was a weird Friday morning. Sometimes doing this job, you just wake up and there's an email and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> what is my job? Who am I? Why is this person emailing me? Surely they have better things to do. But... Yes, uh, Ted Anson did. The word made it to Ted, mm-hmm. and he emailed us and said that he would like to come participate if Jim, Glenn, and Liz were coming. And which I always love is like, well, is this person coming? Because I want to come. You know, yep. once yep. they kind of start getting word that that the rest of the group is is in. So yeah, Ted Ted was on board, and then yeah, we got confirmation on George and John and um. You know, there were a couple of other cast members that we did reach out to who had various mm-hmm. conflicts. Um, you know, some were filming things, some were working on other projects, and which is totally understandable. They're all very, still very, very active. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, we did reach out to the rest of the group, and and but the group that we ended up with was amazing. And then from there, we started thinking about how to really make it worthy of mm-hmm. celebrating one of the best shows of all time, which is how we kind of built out the idea of this script reading, which we ended up doing um, a script reading of the pilot leading into the reunion panel. And script readings are always one of our favorite things to do. Very complicated. um, (laughs) Yes. Much of the time. But once you, once you kind of get the ball rolling, there are a lot of fun to put together and uh, always a lot of fun to watch. So this was a particularly fun one. And the people that said yes to it were very excited to do it because. Oh, yeah. And they you're it. obviously like paying homage to this thing that that I mean, everybody who makes TV is a fan of. There's nobody who doesn't love Cheers. Yes. Yes. So and use it as a guiding light for what a great television show is, especially to run for so many seasons. Yeah. And. 30 years after the finale, almost 40 years mm-hmm. from the premiere that people still love so much and still talk about even from the pilot and how fantastic the pilot is, mm-hmm. which pilots are just hard. So yeah. a pilot that was made 40 years ago to be like, this is one of the best episodes of television. Yeah. I mean, we all started rewatching it uh, on Paramount Plus, <laughs> but we all started our rewatch once we knew we were doing Cheers. And all of us, I feel like at separate times, were kind of like, can you believe how good this show still is? Like we were all um, kind of in different points and just couldn't believe 
how funny it still was and how how well it held up and how it just doesn't feel like it's aged really at all like it's just kind of has this timeless quality to it that is really hard to mm-hmm. nail in a sitcom nowadays oh yeah and the fact that they're all still such good friends mm-hmm. that they want to come they wanted to come because the others were coming and they wanted to hang out together and they wanted to go to dinner and they wanted to just be with each other yeah all these years I mean, later that's my favorite their families are each other's families like yes. they are like seeing them together it really is incredible how bonded they all are um from this experience and and I think it really does help when when they want to spend time here and actually like experience the festival together like they were you know they did a lot of press while they were here which I know can be tiring um and but they you know they had group dinners they I mean James Burroughs went out every morning for like a run downtown like he you know he was very active and just kind of around and they really like experienced Austin and spent time together here which I think makes their experience that much better as well Mm -hmm. like knowing that they're actually here to participate and they want to be here and they want to spend time together always makes for like a very rewarding reunion experience I think for them and us and I think it comes through on stage too absolutely agree well with that here you go our cheers reunion presented by paramount plus and moderated by michael schneider of variety hi everyone i am variety tv editor michael schneider look at you all coming out tonight to celebrate one of the greatest television shows of all time oh i don't know little show called Cheers, celebrating the 30th anniversary of its finale and uh, the 42nd almost uh, uh, anniversary of its premiere, which is incredible. And as you saw from that reading of the pilot episode, the show holds up. It is still amazing. That show, that, that, that was written in, I believe, 1982. So that is incredible. Uh, well, you're in for a treat. Y'all ready? We have the creators and some of the stars of the show to chat a little bit about Cheers. So without further ado, let's bring them out right now. First off, I mean, legend right now, co-creator, director, executive producer, Mr. James Burroughs. Give it up for the man who's behind every single show you've ever loved, Mr. Burroughs. Co-creator, writer, executive producer, Les Charles. And also co-creator, writer, executive producer, Glenn Charles. (laughs) 
we have national treasure in the house, Ted Danson. Of course, as Cliff Clave and the one and only John Ratzenberger. <laughs> You're going to have to sit next to Ted. And it's fine. You'll get along great. And finally, I think you all know what to do when this gentleman comes up on stage. George Wentz! Rock stars. All rock stars. Now, this is a show that I just mentioned it holds up incredible. We, I mean, this is a show that ended its run 30 years ago, like I said. It premiered uh, 42 years ago, 41 years ago, and I argue it holds up just as much today as it did back in 1982. I, when, when the three of you sort of look at this and look back at this, and are, are you still amazed now at the resonance that the show still has, this whole new generation of people who are now binging it on Paramount Plus and, and on other streaming services. Uh, what, Jimmy, does that mean to you when you just see this, this fandom still, 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 still introduced to this show and a whole new generation binging this and loving this? What does binging mean? <laughs> <laughs> they are consuming this. So, for, uh, for you or the Charles Brothers. Uh, I, um, I'm amazed. Uh, it was it was a great run for 11 years, and uh, to see people, new people watching it, uh, it's just flattering to me beyond belief. So we started out as, can you hear me? Yeah. We started out, as many of you probably know, in, in the dumper. Our ratings were so low. All we wanted to do was have an audience for the first five episodes. Uh, the idea of somebody watching it 30 and 40 years later was beyond our wild imaginings, but it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable how it's held up, and we, you know, we're still hearing uh, kids, our, our grandchildren's age, coming up and saying how much they like, they like Cheers, and... <laughs> I mean, Ted, I'm sure people come up to you and ask you about a lot of different projects that you've been involved with over the years, but, but I imagine Cheers still comes up quite a bit all these years later. It's fun to walk through an airport and see who approaches you. And it used to be the Cheers fans were getting older and older and older. All of a sudden, I think maybe since, you know, being quarantined, people started watching again. And all of a sudden, people are getting younger and younger coming up and talking about Cheers. And it's really nice to be in front of a group of people that are clearly fans of television. So that's really nice. I knew that was an applause line. I mean, John, same thing. I'm, I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of folks also grew up with you with the Pixar movies, and they're asking you about that, yeah. But 
In, in addition to, I, I'm sure people ask you for a, a cliffism or, or for trivia or, or something as well. What do you find uh, when- oh, all, all the time people ask me for little known facts. <laughs> eh, it's a little known fact that you're annoying. <laughs> No, it's actually part of me. I've always been, uh, even as a kid, I'd read everything. Encyclopedias, I just love knowledge. So I brought a little bit of that to the character. But the uh, attitude of that, you know, uh, that, come, that comes from a, a father of a buddy of mine who was a cop growing up. And he thought he was Dick Tracy. Uh, but any little infraction on our bicycles, you know, you're supposed to have reflectors on the back of that rat's a burger. You know, you know, and he cite, you know, uh, the, the laws and stuff. So I just always thought that was funny. So that's why Cliff became who he became. Do you have a go-to fact when people ask you for for trivia or something that you uh, you throw out and, and impress uh, the crowd? No. <laughs> I, yeah, I wish I did. I wish I, I was that smart, but no. I, I, We'll I write don't. something for you. What? We'll write something for you. Yeah, later. thank you. Lesson <laughs> better be working on it. I think maybe they should give you some trivia napkins to pass out or something. So. And, and George, do you, uh, I'm sure to this day, you can't walk into a room or an airport without someone screaming norm to you. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, was, uh, it was wild for, for quite a few years. Uh, people, you know, recognize me and acknowledging me. And, you know, I remember one time I was in New York uh, and it was just, you know, pe you know, people are so uh, all around you, you know, that you couldn't walk a block. Anyway, a winter time arrived and uh, all of a sudden I'm in a hoodie and like a big scarf and nobody recognized me at all on the street. And it was, this is amazing, this is great. <laughs> And then I would go into bar X, Y, or Z, and uh, you know I'd take off my hat and my hood and my scarf, and it'd be like that scene in Robin Hood where King Richard the Lionhearted comes in. He'd be like, "My liege, <laughs> our king." Made up for the last few years. <laughs> well, Jimmy Glennon, unless uh, take us back to the the very beginning. I'm sure there's been quite a legend that has built over the years about the origins of of Cheers. A lot's been said, a lot's been written. But what what do people maybe get wrong, or or what do people sort of misremember about the start of Cheers, and 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 sort of where the idea did originally come from? Well, I don't know what popular conception uh, people have about the origins, uh, but uh, we had worked on a, a show called Taxi for several years. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we were offered our own show by the network, and um, we, uh, we loved working on Taxi. We learned a lot from that experience. We wanted to do a workplace show as opposed to uh, a uh, family show, a man, wife, etc., cetera, uh, which, which Taxi was. And we would, but one thing we didn't like about Taxi was that it was a, 
a bit on the, it was in the garage, a bit on the dingy side. So we wanted to uh, go for a more upbeat place, a place where everybody knows your name, but where you want to be. And um, we, we settled on a bar and uh, which not the, not, in those days, I think this is still true, but maybe not. Um, the, uh, a bar was a very much a social club. Uh, when we first went looking for, for places in Boston, we, we, we knew we wanted to be in Boston. We knew we wanted to be in the East. New York had been used too much. Uh, so we, uh, we settled on Boston um, and just the, the, there's a, it's, it's the city has a character all of its own. And um, when we walked into the, to this uh, bar, bar for the first time called Bowen Finch, which as we've commented would have been a great name for the show actually. And uh, we, uh, it, was, it was in an afternoon, mid-afternoon and there was this group of about four or five guys expounding on every subject. You could tell they'd been there for a while. They came there every day. Again, mid-afternoon. And I thought, this is it. Uh, everything I li I, we liked everything we saw about the place. The, uh, even the, the step down steps, uh, the stairway, uh, which uh, was a great introduction and an exit for people. Um, but uh, we, we wanted to be in a bar. We wanted to do, uh, we liked the idea of a romance developing. And um, so just uh, one thing led to another. So we found out we got a lot of stories from, uh, from that, uh, that both the, uh, the relationship of uh, Sam and Diane uh, to begin with, and then the, uh, the social club atmosphere, or a gang gathers at a place where uh, everybody knows your name. Well, and, yeah, and, and that idea too that the, the door opens and it could be any sort of character who comes in every week and, and sort of, sort of the, the, the comedy then spools out from there. When we were first starting out, we would do some research going to bars. We'd, none of us had ever been in a bar before, so we decided to <laughs> go, go take a look at what they're like. But we went to some bar, bars, mostly around L.A., and they're just so full of interesting characters. And I remember the three of us went to a bar one night and overheard a conversation, about four or five people sitting in a bar. And they had this long, prolonged discussion of what was the best canned soup. <laughs> so this, this thing about the sweatiest movie is not, there's not much fiction to that. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, ABC passed on it, but NBC was there. And, and what was sort of that pitch to the network like? Uh, no, ABC didn't pass. We had, uh, the three of us came off taxi, and uh, we had uh, uh, an agent who's so famous he only has one name, Broder. And uh, he said, you guys should uh, do, your, do a show. And uh, so, because Taxi uh, had been, uh, uh, you know, we'd worked together on Taxi, NBC made a deal with us to do, we were scheduled to do two pilots, they had to put one on the air, and the first pilot we did was Cheers, and uh, the rest is uh, history. Well, let's talk about the casting. Uh, because famously, you had three groupings that you looked at uh, for Sam and Diane. Um, and, and ultimately, of course, you guys went to the mat for this gentleman over here. So, I feel like you... That might be overstating it. I feel like the right decision was made, but uh, 
I don't, out I okay. Don't, we didn't go to the mat. It was apparent. It was apparent from the audition. Uh, Teddy and Shelley auditioned together, and they had uh, chemistry, which only makes writing look better. And uh, it was it was an obvious choice. I mean, Sam, uh, when we when we auditioned when we auditioned these people, Sam uh, Harrison, or was not Malone. He was a wide receiver for the Patriots. So uh, when when we cast Teddy, we thought he'd look more like a relief pitcher for the Sox. Like <laughs> uh, Billy was, you know, I, I think the prototype. But the other the other people, the other guys who read for Sam, one was Fred Dreyer, who looked like a wide receiver for a football team, and the other one was Billy Devane, who was would have been an older Sam Malone. And but the obvious choice was. Uh, it was apparent to everybody it was Ted and Shelley. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I we think weren't sure. we weren't sure ourselves, actually. We, we did the three couples for the network, stage, had a little staging in, in a bar, mini bar, uh, part of a bar. Um, <laughs> and uh, we weren't quite sure ourselves because all three of those actors and actresses uh, were, were just terrific, excellent. Uh, but boy, when we got Ted and Shelley in front of just a small audience, and they started to work off of each other. It was, there was just no question in anybody's mind. It was fabulous. Such chemistry immediately. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think it was Fred Dreyer and Julia Duffy were, was the pairing. And um, Ted, what do you remember from, I, I, I read somewhere that you were doing all of this actually on the bar set of Bosom Buddies uh, before they had built that's right. Wow. Before they had built any obvious uh, set for, for good, Cheers. So, research. what do you remember? <laughs> what do you remember about doing this for the first time with Shelley on the set of Bosom Buddies, of all things, and, and how real you thought this might become for you? You know, Shelley obviously is not here, um, but deserves to have her, you know, just sing her praises because she was. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we'd seen a character like that, you know, since Lucille Ball, and she just really nailed it. And I, I go out of my way to say I do believe I was on Cheers because I worked well with Shelley, but Shelley was uh, was just a knockout. Um, what do I remember? Um, I do remember the little teeny bar that had been set up. Um, yeah, I, here's my favorite part when I. I was doing Taxi with Jimmy, a guest part, and they invited me down to their offices. They were just starting to cast Les and Glenn, and I read uh, a couple of times for them, and the second time they said, um, don't, don't take another job without checking with us first. And I went, so you're saying I got the part? And they went, no, no, just, just uh, check with us first. And then I went out one door and I looked down the hallway and there was every actor in LA coming up the stairs <laughs> to audition. So thank you, Shelley. And again, if you go back and watch that first episode, that pilot episode, the chemistry is undeniable. So it, it clearly from, from the start. Um, John, you originally read for Norm, right? That, that's what you first came in for. Yeah, I just wasn't uh, good-looking enough. <laughs> Come on! Come on! 
but 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 then they 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 needed sort of that that know-it-all that 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 no, it, far it, fly. I, I, I didn't have the advantage of uh, going to an acting school or I, or maybe I was just dumped up and just didn't bother. But um, <laughs> I, I never learned how to audition. Still don't. <laughs> but. Um, I have a background of just making stuff up, which I, I came to find out was called improvisation. <laughs> somebody once said, hey, you can make stuff up good. <laughs> and anyway, I, uh, I just uh, improvised, a, or I asked the question, do you have a bar know-it-all? This is as I was walking out the door with my tail between my legs. Because these guys, their eyes are already rolling the back of their head during the audition, checking her watches, coffee. <laughs> so, you know, my eight by 10 was already going into the wastebasket. <laughs> and I just uh, turned around and said, do you have a bar know it all? And I think it was Glenn. I said, what are you talking about? That's all I needed. And I, I just really wanted to regain my dignity. And uh, <laughs> so I improvised this character. That, coming from New England, I come from Connecticut. And, and, uh, you know, my dad and relatives frequented different bars. And even as kids, we'd go in, but there was always one horse's patootie in every bar <laughs> that uh, claimed it was the font of all knowledge. So any bar bet would be thrown in front of them saying, what's the answer? Like, I think you guys even used, uh, what's the length of a whale's intestine? <laughs> and uh, the guy say, baleen or blue? <laughs> Yeah. So I was, you know, as even as a kid, like those characters. So I, I went down that road, and but just really wanted them to laugh enough that I wanted them to know that I knew what I was doing, because I had already worked for years overseas and um, on a chain gang. Uh, <laughs> but no, but anyway, so I left, and two days later, I got the call. So, so he, he John basically sort of talked himself into a role. He he, he managed to like sort of talk himself into an iconic role. That's he's the he's the only character or the only actor on the show who created his role. We we uh, we, did, we did we did some modifications on it and thought uh, this guy probably should be wearing a uniform. It gives him more of a feeling of importance if he's, we thought maybe a doorman or something, but we settled on it. Well, we, we, we did come up with Postman because uh, we, Postman, it would seem to me that passes out in magazines, uh, would uh, read a lot of headlines, maybe a couple of paragraphs or something. So many things. In other words, they know a little bit about a lot of things. And, uh, and I think most of, uh, most of uh, Norm's, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Cliff's uh, uh, ex expounding was uh, starts starts with a little it's a little known fact and uh, that goes on for most of the uh, half hour. No, I said I could clarify real quickly that the reason that uh, John was reading for the role of Norm is that we had we wrote that the role of Norm for George with George in mind. One of the two characters that we had actors in mind for. Well, the other one was Carla because we known Rhea for quite a long time and worked with her. But, um, but George had, had, was committed to another series. It was just at Pilot, 
pilot level. And if that had gone to series, we'd have lost George. So we had to read some other actors for that part. But thank God uh, the sh that show didn't go. And <laughs> well, George, George, that's an actor's dream. They, they're looking for a George Went type. Uh, no, you know, they, it was, I, had, I had to look like a guy who wanted another beer. <laughs> and I'm like, that I can do. Uh, my agent called and said, honey, they, uh, they want you, you know, uh, come in, uh, Glenn Charles, Les Charles, Jimmy Burroughs, you, you liked those guys, you did Taxi, and remember those guys, they, they want, want you to come in, it's a small, small role though, you know, uh, so I go, oh, okay, cool, that's cool, uh, how small, she says, well, it's really uh, one line, and, uh, you know, come to think of it, it it's one word, uh, I'll be damned. It's one syllable. And I go, oh, what's that? She said, beer. <laughs> and I was meant to be Shelley's first customer in the tag of the uh, episode, uh, where she, she goes, oh, hello, I'm Diane. I'll be your waitress. Well, I'm not really a waitress. And then she goes on to a page and a half of her, her backstory. And, um, and then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I should probably take your order. What shall I get you? And I said, beer. And, <laughs> And she goes, beer, perfect. And that was, that was the, uh, the tag. And then it, it morphed into uh, my show got uh, canceled and the offer came through. And... Thank God. And we got the true norm. You know, the other interesting thing, and this may be going a little too into the weeds, but when you watch the pilot, you do notice that there's a character in a wheelchair, and it's Elaine Stritch. And originally, right? What? Wasn't no. the actress? No, the character, uh, it was not Elaine Stritch. Uh, it was a character called Mrs. Littlefield, who was a Boston Brahmin who came to the bar and, uh, and uh, had an occasional cocktail at the bar. And uh, she, was in the, she was in the show. She had dialogue, but it was just, it didn't meet our standards. So uh, we cut the scene, but she's still in the background. Yeah, so, so a character that could have been that never quite made the, yeah. the, the grade. Was she named after Warren Littlefield? She was. Uh, one of the NBC junior execs. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, he became fancy. Well, you guys mentioned how uh, the first season, it was the lowest rated show on television? Dead, dead last. We were dead last. We were dead last Thanksgiving, you know. I like to say we were 70th out of 69 shows. <laughs> so then the summer came and people started catching up on the show and started watching it and, and it started to give it a little bit of life. Uh, talk about that and sort of that, 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 that slow burn that, that eventually turned it into the hit that it was. Well, these were the <clears throat> days when there were just three networks, three things to choose from. And because our, uh, our, our competition for our first season was a very popular detective of, uh, show called, oh, what was Simon, Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon. And everybody, yeah, it was a number one show. So everybody had pretty much seen Simon and Simon when summer came around. So we were on reruns, and people discovered us essentially over the summer. And uh, that uh, made a big, big difference. Didn't have anything else to watch. We changed the name of the show to Cheers and Cheers, right? <laughs> Was there, was there a moment when you started to really feel like 
there, there was traction, that, that you started to notice it showing up in, in the zeitgeist or in popular culture? Uh, yeah, in the summer, when, uh, uh, when uh, Simon Simon was, was, do, or was doing repeats, and we were doing repeats, so many people had seen Simon Simon, so they decided to tune into another channel, and they saw us, and then in September, we won like six or seven Emmys, so that, that really, that really uh, uh, broke out. That was a big turning point. Yeah. And NBC at that time was, had gone out under the banner of quality television. They made a really big deal of that. So after, after they you know, paid so much lip service to us, they couldn't cancel the <laughs> show that had won all the Emmys that year. So we knew we'd survive. You know, another question that uh, it's it sort of become like a, uh, uh, almost a, Old folks' tale. I don't know if it's true or not, but the the legend goes that the audience was so wildly loud and and so excited and laughed so hard that people started to think that it was a laugh track when it wasn't. It was just the audience laughing, and that's what led you to add that tag at the beginning of the episodes. Cheers is taped in front of a live studio audience. So is that is that accurate? What what uh, what sort of led you to do that? It is accurate uh, that uh, we did get uh, a great response. I think it was maybe the setting of the bar that people felt compelled to be loud, open. And, but we did, we did get good audience response, and that made a huge difference. I think especially for the cast, uh, there's nothing quite like working in front of a, a live audience, particularly in a comedy for a cast. I think they will agree with that. And uh, the immediate response really energizes uh, both sides of the equation. So. That was that was important. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something about it, seeing an audience response, particularly to a to a comedy, that uh, make that, it, as I say, energizes. We uh, we were uh, big fans of Mash, and that was one of our first uh, jobs on uh, television. And uh, we loved everything about the show, uh, but they they had a, a very subdued laugh track. But it was it was not filmed in front of a live audience. So we, I think we decided from that that we would, uh, if we ever got a chance to do our own show, we would want uh, people and, and, their, and an audible reaction to our work. Yeah, we, were, yeah. we were all, we were all, all three of us, we met on the Phyllis show. I was the resident director and the boys were the story editors. So that's where we first met. And that was all multi-camera comedies. They had like six or seven going at once. And so, you know, it was just natural for us uh, to, to I'm, a, I'm a theater rat. I was brought up in the theater, in the New York theater. So uh, it's, for me, it's Tuesday night when we shot the show was opening night. And there's not, nothing more thrilling than an opening night. And I can tell you, the amount of shows I've done, I still get nervous. I still, you know, and I'm sure the boys do too, you don't know. If your story's going to work, you don't know if the jokes are going to work. So that, you know, that, that prolongs your life. That, that, I like to say, the spilkies you get before, before, the, before you do the show. Well, Ted, you've been doing mostly uh, single-camera comedy in recent years. Do you miss the, the multi-cam form? Uh, is, is it something you would... I don't know if that's a young man's sport or not. You know, that's a lot of adrenaline pumping through your body. Just go, uh, so I don't... You know, I, if, if one came along that was amazingly written, I'd probably change my tune. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
theater, you know, it's the real deal. Um, sitcom, real deal, theater. I guess that doesn't really work, does it? But close. But the thing about the audience that you were just talking about, you would rehearse and you'd get it down and it was really good, but it was never anything like what it would be when the audience came in. To the point where uh, some, Jimmy would sometimes not be able to get his cameras where he wanted to get them in, in, during the show in front of the audience. So the audience would leave and then we'd go p do pickups of different things. They, I think, Jimmy, you told me that they rarely used it because the energy level from the actors just dropped mm -hmm. sizably when they, you weren't playing for the audience, with the audience. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a craft, and, and uh, it is interesting that we don't see as many of them as we used to. But, uh, of course, Mr. Burroughs, you're continuing to, to keep that uh, alive to some yeah, degree. It's, uh, I've, I've attended the uh, funeral for the sitcom many times. <laughs> And somehow they spring, it springs out of a coffin, but I'm not, I'm not sure now. I just, I don't know what's going on. I, I, maybe it's the quality or something. You know, back when you had, I like to say, back when you had three networks, you had 30 great comedy writers. Now you have five networks and you have 30 great comedy writers. So, you know, it's just, People are doing it before they're ready to do it. It just—it's just a whole—it's uh, uh, a whole Michigas now. I don't—I don't understand why there are no, not more sitcoms. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's, it's hard doing three camera in front of an audience. That's one of the things. It's much easier to do it without an audience, and you say, "Okay, I think those jokes are funny, and let's <laughs> go with it." But an audience—you either make them laugh or you don't. There's no—there's no kidding, kidding around about it. And we didn't—we never sweetened. Well, certain, there were certain cases where we had to. But by and large, that was, that was all the audience, and we lived and died with them. So I can see why people, some people don't want to do it anymore. It's, it's a hard life. Well, let's, let's talk about sort of the longevity of Cheers. And, and part of the longevity, I think, is how expertly you were able to manage change and, and sometimes change that you were faced with, uh, you know, like the, the, the death of Coach and bringing in Woody, uh, you know, worked, and then again, the transition uh, from Shirley to Kirsty uh, also seemed to be definitely handled. But what can you, what do you remember at that time? I mean, first in bringing in Woody, which again, it's amazing, you were already developing a character named Woody, and then here comes Woody Harrelson, who was perfect for the role. That's, uh, that's true. <laughs> we actually, we cast somebody uh, before we we found Woody, uh, we were looking for kind of a just an all-American boy, simple from a Midwest background, and comes to the big city and goes to work in a bar, and uh, and uh, it brings that, that that just basic simplicity and, and uh, open openness about life, and uh, we pretty much almost signed this gentleman, and our casting director came in and said, "I know you like uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but." I'd like you to look at somebody, and uh, in walks Woody, and uh, he read, and we had Ted come read with him, and uh, after, I mean, we were, it was like, this, he, he was not right on the money, but he was so interesting, compelling, and funny, and it, uh, Ted, after uh, Woody had left, uh, said, uh, I know you think you got your guy, but there's something I really like about this guy, 
and I think the, Ted saw it, and we saw it, um, and obviously he's proven himself, certainly beyond cheers, to be a really excellent actor. And uh, but he was perfect for the part, and really filled the. And we, we were very, we were devastated when we lost uh, Nick Colasano, and uh, but uh, the network did. The network stressed. I think he might need to go in a little bit younger in the show, and so we, we went that way. The way I heard it, he uh, came in and uh, blew his nose. Yeah, walking through the door, like into the, this big audition. He had no clue. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he, he was, uh, but I saw him the night before at Gelson's, the supermarket in my neighborhood. I, I was in, in uh, you know, produce or something, I'm looking at something, and, and these two young men were like pointing and pushing each other and laughing, and I, I was sort of used to it. It was year three, and uh, finally the one boy comes over and goes, yeah, my friend said I should say hello to you. I, I'm gonna audition for the role of the bartender tomorrow. And I, I go, oh, that's great, that's great. Well, look, hey, good luck with that. and. Uh, I said, what's your name? And he goes, Woody. Oh, no, no, not your name. You know, the bar, uh, not the character name, your name. What's your name? Woody. <laughs> I think I might be seeing you tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but did he not blow his nose? You don't recall that? I thought he walked in and sneezed, but it, could, oh. he, he it, was <laughs> it was something we'd never seen in an audition before. So Either way, the guy's a charmer. He just walks in and bang. He's, he's just, you know, he's amazing. South by Southwest returns this March with an all-new lineup of talent waiting to be discovered. Their film and TV festival offers a first look at some of the year's biggest blockbuster hits and original works by first-time filmmakers. For nine days in March, you'll have the chance to see hundreds of exclusive premieres and venues all across Austin. This year's program features provocative dramas, documentaries, comedies, and genre standouts from around the globe. Attendees looking to network will also have the opportunity to connect with a wide array of industry experts in their conference and mentor sessions. The 2024 film and TV lineup is now live, so check out what's in store and learn how to join them for unparalleled discovery and learning at southbysouthwest.com attend. That's sxsw.com attend. We were all like 37, roughly, when Woody, at age 25, joined us. And we, it was like, oh, let's kick his ass. <laughs> so we, we took him to the basketball court, because we fancied ourselves as pretty good basketball players. He killed us. All right, let's arm wrestle. I, seriously, I still have a bad elbow here. From from that moment. I think you I went mean, and I, I was undefeated leg wrestling champ <laughs> uh, uh, until Woody showed up. <laughs> so you lay on the ground, you lift your leg up and you hooked it to the back of the ankles and put he just kept flipping me over. <laughs> then then we decided, all right, clearly not the physical thing. We'll play chess. Killed us. Killed us. Poker, chess, anything. Yeah. Basketball, yeah. Foosball. 
Meanwhile, uh, other changes, obviously, when Shelley decided to leave. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the big mystery is forever what would have happened with Sam and Diane, where the show would have gone uh, had the, the path gone that direction. And it'd be a very different show, right? Uh, so in, in sort of that change, that, that kind of put the show in a new direction. Um, did you say that, Ted, or, uh, you know, it, it's... Yeah, I, I mean, first off, she's just... A, Sorry. Weird. <laughs> She's not here. Very strange. Um, you're talking about Kirsty, right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So she came in like a ball of fire. I, I actually, we uh, saw, we were all sitting down to do the table read, and we hadn't met her, or most some people hadn't met her, and she was making her entrance into the a little late to the table read, and she put on a Shelley Long blonde wig, <laughs> and. Walked out and was like, "Okay, <laughs> you'll be, you'll do great." Yeah. And, uh, and then the uh, the first shoot night, we uh, somebody we we're having dinner right before the show, and and uh, somebody said, "Oh, geez, we we should have got her something, right?" And uh, yeah, with some flowers or something. What? Oh, geez, what? So uh, Teddy, like, I can't. I got a thing I got to do, and you know, everybody, Rhea, no, I've, I've got a. And so John and I were tasked with um, getting a, a gift for, uh, for Kirsty. So we're literally driving down Melrose in Hollywood, you know, very trendy area and, you know, trashy lingerie, no, <laughs> no, and, and going past all these places and we'd go past Big Five Sporting Goods. <laughs> and John goes, you want to, <laughs> you want to buy her a shotgun? And like you, I laughed for about five minutes at the thought of it, and then immediately pulled into the big five parking lot, and we bought her a frickin' shotgun. The good news was, John and I were never tasked with the gift department again. Well, I think it was you that wrote on the card, you're gonna have to shoot your way out. She, she could play woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown better than anyone I've ever seen. She could be tender, crazy, make you cry, and laugh at the same time. She was amazing. Yeah, and, and again, it was that burst of energy that, that really gave the show sort of a, a fresh life and, and fresh direction. Uh, and. You know, we saw that throughout the, the, the run of the show when you brought in new characters like, uh, you know, Frasier, obviously. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, we should mention, I mean, the legacy lives on. There's the new Frasier that uh, Mr. Burroughs has directed, which will be coming to Paramount Plus uh, at some point later this year. So, so clearly this, uh, this is a creative universe that keeps on keeping on. But... Uh, Nonetheless, bringing in Kelsey Grammer, uh, you know, so, so many others through the years. Uh, but there's another character that we should briefly talk about, and it is that set. It is that bar, uh, which, by the way, is, is actually being auctioned right now. Did, did you, I, I think actually, uh, you guys uh, went down, uh, John and George, uh, and actually visited the, uh, the, the old bar set recently, I understand, and, and yeah, got to have was, a drink. It was, it was cool to, to see it. It's John's 
scratchings are still in the barn. Yeah, I carved my name in the bar the last two days of us shooting the show. But so that was the legitimate bar they're auctioning off because that's my name was still there. But let's not forget B.B. Newerth. Wow. B.B. B.B. Oh, Newerth. Right. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, clearly. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there's, who, who else are we forgetting, Ted? I'm, I'm sure there's others, too, but. Yeah, we mentioned Rhea briefly, but of course, Rhea Perlman, one of the OGs, I mean. That's my favorite episode. Uh, we won't do the whole backstory, but uh, where, where Sam and Carla somehow, you know, have an amazing evening. They go do this as buddies and friends, and then at the end of the evening, there's actually a moment when they're alone in the bar and they kiss, and then they both go, Oh, no, 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 and, and walk off. But it was, it's one of my favorite episodes, yeah. It was, it was hard for Shelley that, that week, but <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah, Car Carla says something like, I'm too much a woman for you, Sam. What would you say? I'm too much a woman for you, Sam. This could never work out. Yes, that was the line. Oh, that's so good. Recently, even rewatching the the finale when when Shelley comes back, uh, when Diane comes back, and and uh, Carla just s screams. She can't stop screaming, <laughs> and everyone has to cover her mouth. It's, it's so incredible. Back to the set, real quick. We're gonna take a uh, collection later. It's only two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. So I think as a group, maybe we could buy it. Maybe we could keep it on ATX. <laughs> There's, there's actually a number of things that are on sale right now, including a number of wardrobes. Uh, Ted, uh, your Sam Malone uh, Boston Red Sox uh, heavy jacket is $2,500. Uh, John, your Cliff Clavin U.S. mail carrier uniform jacket is $2,100. So we have uh, George Went as Norm Tweed Blazer, Dockers, Necktime, and Loafers. You can get that for $420, so there you go. That's... <laughs> So we'll take a collection later. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the end of the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, uh, it was a three-part finale, and uh, it, uh, it's one of those amazing finales that uh, to some degree wrapped things up, but in the end, uh, it, it was the bars closed. And we should mention, by the way, who was at that door uh, when, when, when you say, like, sorry, bars closed. He's here, I believe. Roder, the agent. Yeah, the agent who started that's it all. Jacob Bob. That's, that's Bob Broder, who's at the door, and then the, the door, Sam says, sorry, we're closed. We refer to him as Darth Broder. <laughs> um, He's just too shy and retiring a guy. He's not going to come out. But, uh, Nobody was more brokenhearted to see Cheers end than our agent. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I it, would be going, it would be going on today. We, we wouldn't be here because we'd be shooting, shooting an episode. Do, do you remember that one of the, the last moments is to pay homage to Nick Colasano, coach? When he died, the cast all went upstairs and got a picture of Geronimo that he had loved in his dressing room, and they put it behind the piano in that area. And the last thing is us, uh, uh, me moving it and straightening it or something. Did you know that on Ted Lasso the other night, they had 
the same exact photograph in homage. Yeah. George, you know a thing or two about Your that? nephew. He's a good boy. He's my godson. And my nephew. I love the, love the, le the legacy. The legacy lives on. Um, uh, Ted, talk about the decision to, to end the show and uh, when it was time. <laughs> it was John's idea. I had nothing to do with it. Ending the show. Um, hey, in, in my defense, uh, we had all been talking for about a couple of years at least. Is this when? It's the end, right? Is this the last season? And we go, yeah, and then we didn't. Anyway, sorry, it was me. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, the, yeah the I just um, felt, well, never mind. Uh, what, do, what do you remember? My life was a hot mess, is what I'm not saying. And uh, I think I needed time to get my life together. And I wouldn't, if I had kept going, I wouldn't have met my wife, Mary Steenbridge. And so. Yeah. Like you. Who is also in the house, and by the way, plug for, for Ted and Mary. They're going to be doing a panel tomorrow here at ATX, so looking forward to that. Yes, um, that, that, that live Tonight Show uh, farewell, what, I mean, that still goes down at <laughs> the all-time, uh, uh, what happened that night? A lot it was down that night. obvious what happened that night. <laughs> Nobody wanted to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. What, they, they brought a cast of people who had been together for 11 years, who loved each other, hadn't seen each other for two or three months. They brought us to a bar at 2 o'clock, a real bar, to do press and wait around for Jay Leno. I guess it was live at 11.30, right? And, and well, what the heck? We, we imbibed pretty much everything known to man. So by the time we actually went out, Johnny says he wasn't, but everyone else was hammered. And uh, we, we sat there, and Jay was busy, because I think he was new to the job. It was his first live thing. And he was taking notes. And, and then they go, five, four, three, two, you're on. And he looks up and goes, you can just see his eyes. <laughs> Because our eyes are just spinning, like. <laughs> and it was horrible. We got a lot of flack for it. In hindsight, though, it's one of the greatest moments in late night history. But uh, yeah, at, at the time, it was seen as, oh, what's going on here? It was like interviewing monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no way to go. Poor guy. <laughs> he did all right. Well, I have uh, some questions from the audience to share as well that they wrote on, on the way in. Um, a, a couple of uh, quick fun ones. Uh, uh, everyone always wants to know, I'm sure this is the other question you get all the time, especially uh, uh, John and George, is what were you actually drinking? What was in those mugs? Yeah, uh, the boys wanted, uh, Jimmy did not want real beer. He thought the cast might get sluggish. <laughs> um, so it was uh, near beer, and there wasn't a lot of choices in those days. So it was Kingsbury Brew, non-alcoholic near beer, and it came in cans, and they wanted it to be draft, so they had to pour it into a soda pop dispenser well before the cameras were rolling, obviously. Um, and uh, so it was warm and flat, and yeah, 
and then it didn't look right when it came out because it was so flat. So the, uh, the prop man put a pinch of salt in every mug on the set. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it was warm, flat, salty, near beer. <laughs> And yet, Norm always wanted another. <laughs> Pardon me? Norm always wanted another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about going to market with it. It's called warm, flat, and salty. <laughs> so it just didn't resonate with him. No. Not at all. Not at all. Well, here's another question. And maybe Jimmy, because you had to direct these folks, uh, may have an answer too. But uh, was there a moment where you all just broke character and just could not get back together is, is do you remember something that just made you all break uh, on set you mean laugh uproariously yeah. uh, I'm sure there were a lot of times you know yeah and but. then you just back you back it up and they they say the line again they start cracking up and you just gotta you just gotta wait they gotta get it they gotta get it out of their system of, you know and let the audience laugh and although the audience would laugh harder when they went up you know, I mean, Tony Randall, uh, Tony, I did the Tony Randall show back before all of you were born, and uh, Tony Randall was always flub a line in the first scene, so he, he could say to the audience, you can make a mistake on the line, but you can't say shit. <laughs> so they, you know, they would crack up and you just have to wait it out and they, 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 would, they would adjust. Uh, we would taunt each other. We would just, you know, like, oh, what, I'm here for you, buddy. Go, get it, get it. And we'd just stare at him. <laughs> it, it got worse than that. We, you know, we had bar straws all over and little napkins. And during rehearsal, when some, we'd do spitballs. And during rehearsal, someone would have trouble with a speech or a moment or something, and we'd all kind of get a grin on our face and go, <laughs> we'll be there for you. And you could hide behind a pillar and wait for that moment that he was struggling or she was struggling with to go. <coughs> <laughs> you said you saw, oh yeah, I can still see it on the, when it's on the screen. When it's on the reruns, I can still see spitballs flying into the side of Woody, Woody's head. And Woody's trying to do this soliloquy, and he's going like this. And I, I hit the floor. It was funny. It was. Really funny. But my finest, uh, my finest moment was. Uh, re I remember getting Ted right on the uvula. His mouth was open, and a ding, and it just. It became a sport. All right, Woody's not here, so we can rag on him. Woody was a vegetarian, which meant he had horrible gas, just horrible gas. <laughs> and he, he would come up to me sometimes during a rehearsal or something and say, hey, I, I really, I need your advice. I, I respect you so much. And he'd start this, and he'd be looking me right in the eye, waiting for his fart to reach my nose, he, like a killer. He wanted to see my eyes go nuts. Come on, jump on Woody. And uh, then Any one time Woody being a vegetarian was, uh, sorry, I don't, Wood, Wood was a vegetarian, as we all know, and uh, he, uh, we were, somebody catered uh, Chinese food 
and Woody found out that after about 20 minutes that he was eating pork. <laughs> and um, so uh, he goes, I don't, I don't know, what do I do? And, and um, he decided he had to go purge. And uh, so I said, out of solidarity, I will purge with you. <laughs> and then Teddy goes, I'll, I'm there too. And there were, there were three stalls in the stage 25 men's room. And uh, you, I will tell you this, you don't want to laugh while puking. <laughs> it just... <laughs> I couldn't believe when you started that story. <laughs> that actually was the day we lost Johnny. You were like, that is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you were not... You were not amused, if I remember so. <laughs> Rightfully so. You weren't amused by us going and throwing up with Woody. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even remember that. It's good. It's good you don't. Well, I think that was worth just the price of admission to ATX right there. <laughs> you don't want to laugh while puking. I want a T-shirt. Uh, I want... Uh, Merch, just like everyone, go go to it. Um, I hope this audience is going to be able to watch Cheers in the future and not think. <laughs> in our about defense, Harrelson. in our defense, you guys were paying us a lot of money to be idiots. <laughs> so, speaking speaking of the set, uh, I have another question on: Did did anyone take anything from the set uh, as a souvenir? Uh, so you're not. No, nothing. That, that's why it's all on auction now. You, you missed out. <laughs> Should have brought home this is the, the bar while you had the chance. <laughs> it's tough to put a bar in your car. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, I guess uh, yeah, it's a, a number of people are asking for personal favorite episodes. So maybe we could real quick get everyone sort of, I mean, I know it's hard to pick. Uh, they're all your babies, et cetera. But do you have moments or memories of certain episodes that really stand out to you? Uh, Ted, for example, what, uh, what, what kind of still stands out to you when you think, but look back at, at the whole work? Um, I, uh, wow, that's tough. Um, I love uh, Coach's daughter because you got to see Cheers do a, a really beautiful, loving emotion and be funny, you know, at the same time. But as far as the physical bit, which I'm sure, like all of the great physical bits on Cheers, came from Jimmy Burroughs. There's a moment when Sam thinks that he is going to finally bed uh, Rebecca Howe, Kirstie, and she goes in to change, and he he's up by the fireplace, and he starts to unbuckle his pants, but his pants are stuck, and he gets frantic, and he reaches for a fire poker. <laughs> I just love that desperation in Sam alone. How about you, John? Oh, or me? George. Or George. Uh, God, Whoever wants uh, to no, go this, this is an old other subject. That was out there on the moon. But <laughs> the, the, uh, the quality of the show, as you know, stands up to them, but it, it, it's, um, it celebrates the writers, because the writers... Uh, and I, I think this goes for all shows back then, were literate. <laughs> they, because a few young writers out there, I know, but they had grown up reading books. 
true. I mean, that's, you know, when you're a kid, you're reading books, Joseph Conrad, Hemingway, whatever. And they brought that to their art, which was us, you know, putting words in our mouth. And that's, I, I find that sorely missing today, uh, watching TV. But I only get one channel anyway. Um, <laughs> and anyway, also, just, I just wanted to mention that, that's all. No, also, also stay off his lawn. With that damn dog of yours. <laughs> How about you, George? Do you have a favorite moment as Norm or, or just in general? Uh, you know, <laughs> there are always Woody jokes. I don't know why. Um, uh, I just went on about uh, Woody and the jumping jerks uh, when we all chickened out from jumping out of an airplane. But uh, another time there was a Bar Wars episode where. Uh, Woody has apparently been kidnapped. Where's Woody? What is? And then you see through that beautiful set by Richard Silbert, uh, you know, uh, the the window uh, where the stairs are. You see Woody being lowered down by his feet, like Houdini, and he's all bound and gagged with gaffer's tape, and um, and and he's swinging there like. Ooh, ooh. And we go, oh my God, it's, and we run, we go, are you okay, okay? And uh, he's trying to tell us something. Oh, well, you can't understand him, he's got tape on his mouth. What's this? Rip, don't rip the tape off my mouth. And uh, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll come back now to, uh, the, of course, uh, Charles Burroughs Charles. Uh, and as we have to unfortunately start to wrap this, this panel, uh, I, I sort of want to leave the, the, the words to you now. When, do, you, do you ever go back and watch uh, old episodes of Cheers? Do you go back to the beginning? Do you sort of, uh, you know, do you, do you have now a takeaway of the legacy of the show? And what stands out in your minds about just your, your favorite sort of memories of just what Cheers meant and what it continues to mean. Uh, I, I've got, I have four daughters and uh, they all watched, they were too young when Cheers was on the air to understand it, but I've gone to, they, they have grandchildren uh, now and I've gone to their houses and they'll always want to watch a Cheers episode. They're, they're you know, it's, it's, I cry all the time when, you know, sitting there with my daughter and uh, uh, seeing, uh, seeing their reaction. And, uh, you know, they've, they've, uh, here, they've binged the show. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just so proud of uh, what that show was and proud of working with these two guys who were gracious enough you know, to give me created by credit. And uh, I will always cherish it. Of all the shows I've ever done, and I have done a lot. <laughs> uh, I've done a lot of television. I've done a lot. This will always be my fifth child. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's just as, uh, I, uh, you know, it's just in the television vernacular now. Yeah. And, uh, I said when we won, well, I think our last Emmy, that we were venerable, and I, I totally, totally believe that. Not 
absolutely. I would like to think that Cheers had a positive influence on television comedy. I think there, there I can see some influence over the years in a lot of shows. Uh, certainly, seen a lot of will they, won't they romances. That seems yeah. to be required on t TV shows yeah. now, and uh, I guess we have that to answer for. <laughs> but uh, I agree with Jimmy. I think the we spent the day together, the six of us, and. Uh, brought back so many memories of just uh, working with this group and uh, several of them who aren't here. And uh, I realized today just how important it was to me and, uh, and how much I, I love all of them and uh, love the memories. I certainly second that uh, love and um, we watched the first episode tonight. Uh, you've seen it obviously before. And I was amazed that while it is the first episode, it does not look like a first episode. It looks like the people in the bar have been there, have been friends forever, except for the, uh, the new person that comes into the place. And that begins uh, Shelley's story, Diane's story. But I think, uh, I th I'm gonna sound really corny here, I think uh, there's a lot of love uh, evident in the show that people, the actors love for their craft. We loved writing it. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't work. We've, we've had shows that were work. Uh, but uh, there's something, I don't know, without the chemistry, we were very, very fortunate to get the people we got to appear in the show, to work with us uh, from Jimmy, uh, the, our fellow writers that we had and had the pleasure of working with. To people that would come in and do punch up uh, after a run through. Uh, those were great moments too. A lot of good moments and uh, you take that with you. And it's all been uh, revived uh, over the last couple few days uh, by being with uh, these guys and uh, ladies. Yeah. Mm. Indeed. Well, two takeaways from tonight. A, don't laugh while vomiting, but B, you all need to do another Cheers binge right now. I think we're all gonna go home tonight and do that. Um, again, Glenn, Les, Jimmy, Ted, John, George, you're the best. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all. Making your way in the world today. <laughs> you have been listening to the TV Campfire Podcast, hosted by ATX TV co-founders Emily Gibson and Caitlin McFarland, and produced by Jennifer Morgan. This conversation was recorded live at ATX TV Festival Season 12 in Austin, Texas, between June 1st and 4th, 2023. For more information on the festival and becoming an ATX TV member, follow us at ATX Festival or visit atxfestival.com.